Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your kindness to us and riches in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that salvation is secure in Jesus Christ alone, and we thank you for that. We celebrate today your great mercy and salvation for us. In Jesus' name we pray, and we thank you for all that you do. Amen. Amen, folks. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you today. I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you here today. If you'll find your place in your Bible, Proverbs chapter 1 is where we'll be going today. <clears throat> we were, excuse me, we were in Proverbs chapter 23 last week. We continue to talk these days as a church about the family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm actually speaking to parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents these days and our personal responsibilities to our families. Today we will begin to look uh, over the next few weeks. I want to really encourage you to stay up with me. Even if you're not here, I hope that you're... Um, I'm seeking to inform and instruct our church, and especially our parents, in what it means to care for the soul of your children. That means that you must teach them some very important spiritual truths. And in order to do that, I want to give you some direction on that. And I believe that the book of Proverbs is the place that we should go for that help. <clears throat> We've talked already about this, that each of us as family members, as parents and grandparents, great-grandparents, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We must make that commitment to be godly parents in an ungodly world. We look then at Ephesians chapter 4, at our responsibility as parents that we are to not make our children angry, but we are to bring them up. We are to nurture them. That is to care about their spiritual souls. We're to nurture them in the training and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4. Last week in Proverbs 23, we looked at that great appeal of parents. Uh, my son, my daughter, give me your heart. It is this very important responsibility that if you're going to care for the uh, nurture of your child's soul, if you're going to care about their soul, you must have a real trusting relationship with your children. And I ask you again today, do you have a trusting relationship with your children, whether they're grown children or whether they're little baby children somewhere in between? Uh, a house built on mutual trust for one another where we share our hearts with our children, our children share their hearts with us, <clears throat> is at the foundation of caring for our children's souls. But now we go on this journey. So you would say to me, Pastor Mike, if I'm going to care about, the, if I'm going to care about my child's souls, what spiritual truths do my children need to know? Great question. That's what I'll try to answer over the next few weeks. I'm going to be using Proverbs chapter 1 through, verse, through chapter number 9. Because um, in the uh, Jewish world, and many Bible teachers believe that uh, Proverbs 1 through 9 form for us a manual for the young. A manual of godly living for children and for students. I believe also for grown children. I believe also for all of us who are wise in the Lord and who know God, these things form for us truths as God our Father teaches us. But nevertheless, I want to use them. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 1 through 9. I'm not going to do all of these things in chapter 1 through 9, but I'm going to pick out 
what I believe are some significant, probably about nine or ten truths that I believe every family at First Baptist Church, you ought to make as a goal as parents uh, or as a single parent or grandparents when you have your time with your children to talk about these truths. So we'll use that as our focus today. Also, <clears throat> if you uh, have your Bible open to Proverbs chapter 1, I'd also like for you to find, uh, just keep your finger there, but also find Jeremiah chapter 32. If you'll keep both of those places open in just a moment, we'll read the Word of God together. Proverbs chapter 1, Jeremiah chapter 32. Find your places there. It is an urgency with which I speak to you as a church in these days in which we live. <clears throat> I believe that the end is near and that the Lord Jesus Christ is soon to come. I believe that it is of, of great importance and urgency that all the parents who are part of this church be serious, not only in your walk with God, but what you do with your children in relationship to their spiritual life. I commend you for your care of all the other matters in their lives. You do a great job with that. But the challenge I have for our church, the challenge I have for our parents, grandparents, is do we care, how much do we care about the spiritual condition, the soul of our children? Well, that's our focus and that's what I'm trying to build my comments around. Proverbs chapter 1 begins with an introduction, verses 1 through 6, and then we'll have our first principle upon which we'll learn today how to instruct our children uh, in the truths of God for the, for the betterment of their spiritual souls. <clears throat> First notice what the book of Proverbs says, says to us. It's Solomon speaking, who was taught these things by his father, King David, and his mother, Bathsheba. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And then notice what these Proverbs do to these Proverbs Give us these blessings to know wisdom and instruction. There's not a person hearing my voice today, including the speaker, who does not need wisdom and instruction in the truth of God's Word. To discern the sayings of understanding. So we all need discernment in this room. You must know, be, able, be able to discern evil from good. You must be able to discern God's voice and truth from falsehood and lies. To receive instruction in wise behavior. The book of Proverbs gives us wisdom in how to live. And he gives you the three areas of wise behavior. <clears throat> Verse number three, righteousness. We live in righteousness, we live in justice, and we live in equity or fairness. The book of Proverbs gives prudence to the naive. That is our young ones who do not have the experience of life yet. We also read that to the youth, it gives knowledge and discretion. <clears throat> the book of Proverbs gives to youth, to the young, knowledge, the knowledge of God and His ways and how to live and discretion in how to behave ourselves in the world. Verse 5, a wise man also. Those who are here who are older, who are <clears throat> people who know the Lord Jesus Christ, who live in wisdom... Yet there's more for us. A wise man or woman will hear and increase in learning. As you spend time in the Proverbs, <clears throat> a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. <clears throat> there's not a person in this room who does not need wise counsel from God in the manner and way we live and all of the issues of life. 
to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then we come now to the first principle. It is set apart in most of your Bibles. It stands alone in verse number 7. It is the focus of my day today. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Where do you start with training your child in knowledge? Any kind of knowledge. I would just comment this uh, Hebrew word here for beginning is a word that means the principal thing, the first thing, the priority thing. So read it that way. The fear of the Lord is the principal, is the priority, is the first of knowledge. Your children may be, you want them to be good in school, you want them to learn, you want them to build their mind, but what is it that is the first matter for all children to know in a godly home with godly parents? It is the fear of God. Now I read also to you from Jeremiah chapter, if you'll find your place, keep your place in Proverbs 4. I only want to mention this to you because in Jeremiah chapter 31 and Jeremiah chapter 32, We have these great promises that are given to us. And today in this room, those of us who are saved are living the experience of these God-fulfilled prophecies that came through knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. In Jeremiah chapter 30, it's the new covenant as it's sometimes called in the New Testament. What did the Lord Jesus say? This is the new covenant in my blood. What is the new agreement with sinners and with God? If you'll repent of your sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And in that transaction, in that what takes place, you experience these promises of the new covenant. In Jeremiah 31, it says... Uh, In verse 33, I will put my law within their heart. I will write it there and I will be their God and they will be my people. But I want you to focus on the second additional statement about what happens when you get saved. Not only does God change your hard heart and make you a new person and begin to put the law of God inside of you and in your mind. He also tells us this in uh, Jeremiah 32, 38. They shall be my people and I will be their God. We have now a relationship with God. We sang to our Lord Jesus Christ. Steve led us to do it. We praise the Lord for His character and His nature and His grace and the resurrection and the death of the Lord Jesus and many other things. But in verse number 39, I will give them. This is something God gives you when you get saved. I will give them one heart and one way. Please notice the words. I will give them one heart and one way. And they, that they may fear me always. This is the act of the new birth. To produce in us godly fear. That they may fear me always for their own good. Oh, the fear of God is for your own good, my Christian friend. Notice, and for the good of their children. When you fear God, it's for the good of your children. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. God is always now with us as praise the Lord for His faithfulness, His mercy. He holds us fast. We know that whatever He has promised to do, He will do it regardless of whether we're faithful or not. And He says He will do them good and I will put, please notice verse 40, I will put the fear of me. I will put the fear of me 
in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. The fear of God keeps me close to God. So our focal truth today, coming from Proverbs chapter 1, the answer to this is why is this the first lesson in teaching your children? Well, I want to elaborate on that for a few moments today. The focus is this. I'm speaking to those of you who choose to be godly parents in this room, who hear my voice. Those of you who join us remotely, may the Lord bless you. We miss you and we pray that you could be with us when you can. Godly parents, I speak to all of us who are parents. You are either living in godliness as parents or you're living in ungodliness as parents. There's no middle ground. Godly parents live, please notice, in the fear of God. Godly parents live in the fear of God and teach their children the fear of God. Godly parents live in the fear of God. It is our lifestyle. Godly people live in the fear of God and because they live in the fear of God, others see in them the fear of God and hopefully are drawn to Jesus Christ or if not, They will glorify God anyway. So I begin this morning by asking you, as I try to do often, a series of questions to get your minds around this. Number one, do you fear God today? Are you a God-fearer? That's right. Do you fear God? Is it an an emotion that that you experience on a regular, daily basis? Are you one who fears God? Do you personally fear God. The second question is, do your children know that you fear God? If we were to interview your children, whatever they're, let's just pick, let's pick grown up uh, children. Those of you like me have grown up children. Do your grown up children know that you fear God? Do they see in your life the quality and character of one who fears God, who lives in the fear of God? If you have little children, little children are very, very observant, and little children listen. Some of the best listeners to my sermons are the little children. How I wish that the adults could hear as well. Do your children, your little baby children... Your student children, do they know that you fear God? Do they see it in you? Do they see you as one who fears God? What does it mean for parents to teach their children the fear of the Lord? And for that matter of fact, I realize I must do this today. Give us a little quick lesson on what is the fear of God? Because sadly in For most of us today, we've not heard much about this. But I promise you, the Word of God is filled with this truth and the glory of it. Oh, by the way, this would be the way Solomon begins the book of Proverbs. And it's also the way he ends the book of Ecclesiastes. I'll read it to you. Ecclesiastes 12, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Fear God and keep His commandments. This applies to every person. Fear God and keep His commandments. For God will bring... Are you listening to the Word of God? For God will bring every act to judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So we learn from Solomon 
this important lesson. The wisest man who ever lived beside the Lord Jesus calls us to remind ourselves as you come to think about your children today, and I know you care about your children, parents, the first principle that we must teach our children and continue to remind them of and teach them about through all the ages of life. You don't just tell them when they're little. You tell them when they're in middle school. You tell them when they're in high school. You talk about it. You work on this. You work on this first principle all the days of their life. It will shape their lives. And it is this. First lesson. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So I have four observations. I'll get to them quickly. Number one, the fear of God is a holy emotion. H-O-L-Y. The fear of God is a holy emotion of those who are saved, who, of those who are in Christ. I find it very interesting that the Word of God teaches us clearly that only those who walk by faith, only those who are saved, fear God. Secondly, the fear of God, I'll speak just a moment to the fact that what is the fear of God? The fear of God is the holy emotion of loving, reverence, submission, and obedience to God as Father. If you fear God, you fear God with a holy emotion of loving, reverence, submission, and obedience to God. That's the way do your children see in you. Do your children see in you the holy emotion, not wicked emotions, not angry emotions, not sinful emotions, holy emotion of loving, reverence, and submission and obedience to God? Do they see it in you? Do you practice it? And third, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. And what does that exactly mean? What are some of the lessons? What are the first lessons of knowledge we learn from the fear of God. I'll speak just to a few of those. And then finally, just to focus it again on us, to repeat this principle, godly parents live in the fear of God, not somewhere quietly, but in the presence of their children. Have you discovered, if you're a parent, you can't get away from your kids. They see you. They hear you. They want to be with you. That's a wonderful thing. So since they're with you, what do they see in you? All right, number one, as we come back to this, the fear of God is a holy emotion of those who are in Christ. Here we have this contrast in verse 7 of Proverbs 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but look at the B part of the verse. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We live in a world of people filled with foolishness. We saw it last week when we were talking about Discipline driving foolishness out of a child. You see, foolishness is another way of describing sinfulness. When you live in foolishness, you are living in sinfulness. You are follow following the way of foolishness. You're following the way of sinfulness. And fools despise the wisdom of God. Fools despise the instruction of God. I wish I could elaborate this for a long time, but I'll just read it to you for the sake of time. In Romans chapter 3, Paul is describing sin, and he says that all have sinned. In fact, it's a famous verse. All of you in this room know it. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But let me read you an earlier list 
in Romans chapter 3 that Paul makes describing the nature of foolishness and sinfulness. Listen. He says, there is none righteous, no, not one. This is Romans 3.10 if you're a quick Bible turner or you can just listen. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands God. There is none who seeks God. All have turned aside, together have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat, their mouth, what they say is an open grave and their tongues, they deceive. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. This is the way they talk. And their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. And verse 18, I drive it home to you. Verse 18 from Psalm 34, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Psalm 10:4 says, the wicked in his pride does not seek God. His thoughts are continually, there is no God. Another psalm, the fool has said in his heart, or her heart, there is no God. We live in a world where the ungodly sinner does not fear God. We live in a world of families who do everything else for their kids but do not care for their souls. They have no walk with God. They do not care about the Lord Jesus Christ. They are not saved. They are ungodly Parents, ungodly families, and they do not have the fear of God before their eyes. They do not live in the fear of God. That's why I submit to you in Jeremiah 32 that God, the godly, that is those who are saved, have been given the grace of godly fear. And if you're saved today, you must thank God for the grace of godly fear. It came to you as a result and blessing of being saved. And Job was a man who feared God. In fact, God was so bold with the devil, God brought up Job. Well, you want somebody to try out Satan? He says in Job 1.8, God said, Have you considered my servant Job? What does God say about Job? How does God describe the character of Job? Job 1.8, no one is like him on earth. He is blameless. He is upright. Fearing God and turning away from evil. And you always have those two things together. So the fear of God is a holy emotion of those who are in Christ. If you're saved today, you came to know Jesus Christ by the fear of God. Secondly, the fear of God is the holy emotion of loving, reverence, submission, and obedience. I want to expand this for just a moment. Here's what I'm saying. When you come to know Jesus Christ and God changes your heart, and you are converted, you're born again, you have a new heart, a heart of flesh it's sometimes called, compared to a heart of stone. God can shape and mold your heart now. And He starts to do that through the truth of His Word and through the experiences of your life. And as a result of knowing Him, holy emotion, listen, and also holy awareness rise in your heart and mind. You have in your, your heart a holy you have a holy, loving reverence for God. You don't want to do anything to displease the one who saved you. You have a holy love. It's like a child who loves their mom and dad so much that when they do disobey their parents, they're heartbroken about it. They're fearful about it. They regret it. 
but they lovingly reverence their parents and they seek not to do things that would displease their parents. It is, it is a holy reverence and submission and obedience to God. It is an awareness of God's power, presence, and coming judgment. You see, everyone in this room, this is the fact. You will either stand before the Lord Jesus Christ as your judge or Savior. That is the fact. And you must, and all of your children will stand either before God as Lord and Savior or judge. This is the sobering reality of our children brought into this world. The Lord Jesus made it clear if there's someone here who would say, Now, Pastor Mike, you're overstating this matter of the fear of God. Well, may I just pull to your minds the Lord Jesus' words, which are very astounding about this matter of this holy emotion of reverence, holy, loving reverence, submission, and obedience to God. The Lord Jesus says in Luke 12, you can look it up on your own, 4 and 5, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Oh, do we live in a world of fear. What did you come in here afraid of today? What are you afraid of? If you listen to the news, they'll tell you what to be afraid of. They'll tell you all the things you should be afraid of. But no one ever seems to say, fear God. It's, it's fear death. It's fear sickness. It's fear losing your money. It's fear losing your reputation. It's, fear. it's not fear of God. The Lord Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and, after, and afterward have nothing else to do. Now listen. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I warn you whom to fear. Maybe I should use the other word he used. I warn you of whom you should be afraid. Be afraid of the one who after he has killed someone. That's the power of God. You're alive today because God chose for you to be alive. After he has killed someone, has the power to throw that person into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. This is why our Lord taught us to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. We speak to our great and glorious God. We sang about him today in his massive, glorious compassion and grace and mercy. The Lord Jesus' death on the cross, the power of God to raise Him from the dead should strike fear in our hearts. Psalm 130 is an interesting twist. Verses 3 and 4. There is forgiveness with you. Every one of us would raise our hands in this room. Praise God. There's forgiveness with you. Listen, that you may be feared. The forgiveness of God ought to bring this holy, loving reverence and submission and obedience to God. So what does the fear of God teach us? Well, quickly, it teaches us, first of all, a knowledge of our sinfulness. When Peter preached one of the greatest sermons, the first gospel sermon in Acts 2, at the end when he preached and declared Jesus Christ as Lord and that they needed to repent, the Word of God says they heard this and they were pierced in their hearts. And they said, what shall we do? Listen. When I was a little boy and when you got saved, wherever it was that you got saved, you know the first thing that happened to you? You heard the gospel and you became afraid. Yes, 
you became afraid. Some of you, you say, oh, I don't want my children to be afraid. But you see, my friend, unless they're afraid, they can never be saved. You've missed the point. In the church, we've had a history and a danger in these days of hurrying too quickly to assure people who are under Holy Spirit conviction. How about this? Let the Holy Spirit of God do deep, long conviction and someone will truly be saved. Leave them be. Let them be afraid. Let them think about the wrath of God. Let them think about hell. Let them think about permanent things. As an eight-year-old boy, I was troubled because I knew that if I, wasn't, if I did not come to know Jesus Christ, I would face a devil's hell. And judgment was coming. And the world was coming to judgment. And the fear of God started to rise. You see, the fear of God, first lesson. First lesson, there's a knowledge of my sinfulness. Second lesson of the fear of God is a knowledge of God's holiness. When uh, God magnificently displayed Himself on Mount Sinai, Acts 20, it was so terrifying The people begged Moses to go and talk with God. And the Word of God says that Moses was terrified. He did say to the children of Israel, God has done this in order to test you. This is Exodus 20, 22. God has done this in order to test you. Listen, that the fear of Him may remain with you. What did we read earlier in Jeremiah? The fear of God comes in our life. The fear of God comes in our life so that we will stay close to God and it will be good for us and it will be good for our children. And the final thing that the knowledge of God does, lest the... The final lesson is it teaches us about holy living. I fear God and I don't want to live in unholiness before my God. I fear God and I don't want to live in... That means I want to speak in a way that's right. I want to do the things that are honorable to God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7.1, having the promises of God. Listen, you mark it down and go back and study. This is now, this is the development of the Christian life. Listen, 2 Corinthians 7.1, let us cleanse ourselves from all the defilement of flesh and spirit. Are you doing that? You see, if you're saved, you're cleansing yourself. As the layers are shown to you by the Holy Spirit, you continue to cleanse yourself from fleshly defilement and spiritual, spiritual defilement on the inside, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. When I come before the Lord, you know why I confess my sin? Because I fear God. Because I recognize what will happen in my life if I do not fear God, I will grieve the Holy Spirit. I will quench Him. So what do we do then, godly parents? How do we live in the fear of God before our children? I want to just read for the sake of time an obscure verse, but you need to hear it. You can go back and study it on your own if you're interested. Genesis 31, there has been a disagreement between Jacob and his father-in-law. Has that ever happened in families? Well, I don't want to get into the details. But Laban was the father-in-law of Jacob. They had a long history and there were a lot of things that Jacob had to do. And the treatment of his father-in-law toward him was questionable, but he endured it. I want you to hear this, Genesis 31, 42. To Laban, his father-in-law, Jacob said, If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and please listen to this phrase, and the fear of Isaac 
had not been with me. Surely now you have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands. And he rendered judgment last night. He says, he talks about the fear of Isaac, his father. In Genesis 31-53, then Jacob swore by the fear of his father. You know what he's talking about? Jacob saw the fear of God in his father, Isaac. Do your children see the fear of God in you? Do they live by the same... What did your daddy teach you? What are you now teaching your children? First principle, first lesson in training and instruction is teaching children by the way you live, godly parents, to fear God. Moses said in the famous chapter in Deuteronomy 6, verse number 1, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it. Listen, so that you obey God's law, you obey the word of God. Moses says, so that, this is Deuteronomy 6.2, this is an important one, so that your son, you, your son, and your grandson might fear the Lord your God. When I obey God before my children, when I say no to the world, when I live my life in holiness before God, when I repent of my sin, when I seek to be a witness for Christ, when I live in the power of the Holy Spirit, when I live in the fear of God, it is good for me, it is good for my children, and it is good for my grandchildren. This is the first principle, and it's founded on the way you live. So do you live in the fear of God? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But the fool despises wisdom and instruction. So what do we need to remember today as we go? Well, I would give you just a few things to apply. Godly parents live in the fear of the Lord. In the presence of their children. I've repeatedly said that. You can't get away from them. They're going to see you when you get up in the morning. They're going to hear your words in the morning. They're going to see you in the afternoon. They're going to see you at night. They're going to walk with you. They're going, you're going to develop a relationship. You are impacting and shaping their lifestyles every day by the way you live, parents. If you don't have, a, if you don't have time with God, why would you fuss later that your kids never have time with God? I've always found that quite ironic. Someone will say to me, well, you know, I can't give my kids. They don't care anything about God. Do you care about God? Has God been made a priority in your life? They see it, they've learned it, and you've set them in a pattern. Now, praise God, things can change. Your children may need to see you repent. If they see you repent, it could change their life forever. Godly parents live in the fear of God and it brings good to their children and their children's children. I've said to you before this old rabbinic saying that when you teach your children God's Word, you also teach your children's children and your children's children's children. It goes on. Children learn the fear of God from their godly parents who turn away from evil. You see, they look at their parents and say, my parents don't live like all those other parents. 
You go to the ball fields. You go to the musical concerts. You pick them up at school. You find them at, uh, with somebody in some place. And all of a sudden, the children see the difference in family life. The children see what we watch and don't watch. The things we consume. The things we talk about. The movies and all the rest that are not on our list. The things that we do with our devices and the control we have over them. They see their parents control the use of their cell phone and their computer for the glory of God. Only those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will ever fear God. And fearing God is the first lesson of godly knowledge for children. And they learn it not first from the Word of God. They learn it from They're godly parents. You may be here this morning and you pride yourself in saying, well, I know God. Do you? Do you know God? Do you pride yourself in one who is a God-knower? You know the Word of God. You know the truth of God. Well, may I submit to you that knowing God is fearing God. If you truly know God, you will fear God. And it will make a difference in the things you say and do. So what's our family challenge for today? I have three of them for you. First of all, parents, I've pounded this home enough. Do you live in the fear of the Lord? The second one, though, is very important. You know, you can start at a young age talking to your children about fear. It's interesting to me that some families uh, put their children, they they, um, create in their minds a fearfulness that's um, not based upon godliness a fearfulness about things and the world. It is a fearfulness that is taught in many families. You see, it's not a matter of first teaching them what to be afraid of in the world. It's first teaching them to be afraid and fear God who is holy, God who is righteous, God who is loving, God who is just, God who forgives, God who is coming again in the Lord Jesus Christ and there will be a great and terrible Tribulation and judgment come upon the world and final destruction of all the world will come. A God who knows everything we think, a God who sees everything we do. And if I live as a believer in Jesus Christ, shame on me if I talk in such a way that I don't think God hears what I'm saying. You need to talk to your children about what they fear, but also why it's important to fear God. Because that sounds like a contradiction. We always say, well, we should love Jesus. We should love God. But we should also fear God and fear the Lord Jesus. When John the Apostle, one of the dearest ones closest to the Lord Jesus, saw the glorified Lord Jesus Christ, he fell as dead before him. The glory and majesty of God draws out of me in my worship a fear, a holy love and reverence And submission and obedience to God that I will have no other way. And only in being saved will I have it. We must talk about this with our children. And we must live before them as those who fear God. So that someone says, I live by the fear of my parents. What is their fear? The fear of God. Parents, I would only say this to you, especially those of you who have young children. I'm not being cruel. I'm just trying to give you some counsel here. Remember that the Holy Spirit is sent from God. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's what our Lord said about 
the work of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about Jesus Christ and the glory of the Lord and the cross and His death for sin, there's going to come in boys and girls, there's going to come in students, there's going to come uh, with people a fear that rises in their hearts. Don't be so quick to stamp that out. Allow the Holy Spirit's work of bringing holy fear before the face of those dear ones. Allow that work to be done. You can guide them. But as you assure them, assure them that God is there to save them. But you cannot assure them that God will not judge their sin. Because He is and He will. The saddest thing will be, oh, the saddest thing to be. Can you imagine standing at the end of all time and seeing your own children judged as unbelievers? That portrait, is it before your eyes? I call it back to you today. That latest picture portrait you have of your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, do you see their faces in front of you? There they are. They're growing up every day, aren't they? They're little tiny, and then all of a sudden, where did it go? They're full grown. Where are they today in their relationship with God? Have your children, have your grandchildren ever had anybody talk to them about the first principle, the first lesson of knowledge? The fear of God. Well, may God help the godly parents of this church, the godly grandparents, to do so in the days ahead to the glory of God.